0: Hey, everyone, and
1: welcome to episode 24 of Authors on a Podcast talking books. I'm your host, David Walters. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with author John Mars. John is the author of The One, The Good Samaritan, When You Disappeared, Her Last Move, Welcome to Wherever You Are, The Passengers, and the upcoming What Lies Between Us. A former freelance journalist based in London, England, he spent 25 years interviewing celebrities from the world of television television film, and music for national newspapers and magazines until becoming a full-time author in 2018. He has written for publications including The Guardian's Guide and Guardian Online, Total Film, Huffington Post, Empire, Q, GT, The Independent, S Magazine, and Company. His books have been translated into 20 different languages, and the one is soon to be a major new Netflix series. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, John Mars. Hey David, how are you? Hey John, doing fine. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Good. How's your day been so far? I know
0: you're about five hours ahead of us here in uh, in Alabama. Not bad, thank you. It's been we've, It seems like we've had so much rain that I should have been out in the garden building an ark. But uh, um, it'd be nice if we could get some sun at some point this year. Yeah, I can
1: understand. We've been the same way. It's been. Uh, I think we've had like nine or ten inches in the past month. And oh. uh, we actually have some sun now. I mean, we went from, you know, 40 degrees and now it's like 70 outside. I, I can't understand this weather.
0: No, no. <laughs>
1: <same here. laughs> um, so uh, obviously I've, I've seen, you know, pictures and posts and stuff online about, you know, how this whole coronavirus is affecting everybody across the world. But how, uh, I guess, how, how crazy does it seem
0: to be over where you are? Yeah, but I think pretty much the same. We have we were just talking off air, weren't we? About um, you were telling me about supermarkets and stuff being the shelves being empty, and it's the same over here. The panic buying. I don't really understand the whole toilet paper thing. Yeah, why people are stocking up on toilet paper? Um, can you can you explain that one to me?
1: Yeah, I wish I knew. I was talking to Luke Arnold about it on Tuesday because uh, he's a native Aussie, and that's kind of where it started was in australia uh oh, yeah and I, I guess everybody went panic buying once they saw australia was completely out i don't i don't understand the correlation but uh yeah i mean this whole thing is an upper respiratory thing so i don't understand why toilet paper is a necessity because there's plenty of kleenex on the on the shelves so. yeah.
0: yeah i just thought alcohol would have been more yeah i know
1: yeah. yeah i actually picked up a six pack today because i was running low <laughs> It's probably not going to last me though. I can, I can imagine I'll be done with that within a week. So, but yeah, yeah, I just, (laughs) I went, I went a couple of days ago and it wasn't too bad. And then I went today and I mean like all the frozen food aisles are empty, bread's gone, sugar randomly was gone. I don't don't like that one. Um, Of course, toilet paper is what I feel has been out for a week. And uh, I mean, we went three weeks ago my wife, uh, since she's pregnant was like, we need to get masks and uh, I think uh, our local like pharmacy had been out for three weeks already, and that was two weeks ago.
0: So oh. it's uh, it's just insane. <laughs> it is, I think it's um, – yeah, I, I wonder how much the media has kind of fueled it. I know obviously the media is incredibly important for telling everybody about it, but when it is on constant roll 24-7, the same thing over and over again, I kind of wonder how, how responsible they are for perhaps making people panic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's probably more than nothing. Cause I feel, you know, once they started kind of suspending sports, then everything kind of cascaded from that. Um, yeah. and then, you know, of course we get the word pandemic thrown out and then national emergency gets thrown out and then statewide yeah. emergencies get thrown out and the schools get, you know, get let out. it's just one thing after another. And now it's just like, all right, we've got everything we need for a few weeks. We'll just stay inside. Uh, yeah. I think her school lets out, I think their last day is like Wednesday, which I find kind of odd that they have to go three more days, but because uh, they've got spring break coming up the following week. So they're pretty much like, okay, we'll just take an extra week and a half and then we'll see what happens in April. <laughs>
0: gives people the perfect time to download and buy more books and get the books read that has been on their TBC piles for months.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, we were talking off air, it was like, you know, Netflix subscriptions are going to go through the roof because there's no yeah. live sports anymore. And uh, I just, yeah. It, and I was actually just, uh, I sent a bunch of tweets out mm-hmm. a little while ago about all these books that are kind of on sale, like $2.99 and less. And it was just like, here you go. You're asking for books. The, here you go. Go read these. You got plenty of time, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's what a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like book community people are doing right now is they're just trying to push a bunch of books where authors have something coming out in the next couple of weeks because, you know, book tours are being shut down and yeah. you can't have any kind of appearances or anything. So yeah. I know a lot of people are really trying to push where they can to get people to buy stuff.
0: Well, one of the biggest book events in Britain, the uh, the London Book Fair, that was uh, axed this year for because of the coronavirus. And that's like a, a huge deal. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens. Maybe no books will be released next year. Nothing will have been bought. It'll be a quiet year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I know uh, there's a few things that got canceled here. I think they have like a South by Southwest thing they have in Texas where they canceled it, I think, last week. But they uh, like didn't refund anybody their money. And they're like, oh, you can just use it next year. <laughs> and okay. I'm like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, man, if you're going to cancel something that people have been waiting on for so long, that I'm pretty sure tickets aren't that cheap. Yeah, uh, yeah, But uh, yeah, it's, it's just really, it's really odd. So, but my wife and I kind of have like a, we have kind of a plan of action. We're like, okay, we've got our Kindles full of books. We've got a whole list of shows that we've recorded that we can watch. And we've got plenty of food and water, and we've got our dogs, so we're, we're set.
0: <laughs> okay, for the next few months, you've got bunker down.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if, and if it gets worse, then we'll just drive down to the lake where we can be away from everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, kind of first off, uh, kind of to start this whole episode, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, tell me about uh, your life growing up, going through school, uh, kind of any hobbies that you had in and out of school?
0: I think I was a bit of a boring kid, really, because I was useless at sport, and the only really thing I could do was write and make up stories. I used to read loads. I was a real nerdy reader as a kid. I used to go to like the library and spend ages in there, just getting as many books out as I could, or just sitting reading in there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I did have friends. I just wasn't kind of this total loner. But um, no, I, I, used to, I used to read a lot as a kid and then just, and just make up stories. But yeah, um, I'm an only brat. My, I don't have any brothers or sisters. But, um, yeah, I had quite a lot of friends and yeah, just had an ordinary kind of growing up existence, really. It was just um, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. And there were no no journalists or anything in our family, but it was something I always wanted to do. So when eventually I left school, um, I ended up on doing work experience or I think what you call it, internships, a local newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um had like a readership of 7,000 people, which for me was, oh, my God, that's a huge amount, 7,000. And when you look back on it now, it's mm, not that many. Um, and then just, yeah, yeah, just used to uh, – just work my way around local newspapers and then eventually ended up working on national ones.
1: Okay. Um, so I actually <laughs> talked to uh, CJ Tudor a couple months ago, and I know you and I kind of have like a mutual uh, – I don't. I don't even know what the word you would say would be, but the fact that uh, you and I both had blurbs for her her newest book, "The Other People," yeah. and we kind of shared a shared a mutual bond over that. But um, I know that she also did something similar. Did y'all ever somehow run across paths? i met her once um,
0: last year. I think it was. Was it last year? Uh, no, I lied. I lied. sorry. Let me think. You meet so many people. Um, that you just kind of, everyone kind of blurs into ones and you get a bit fanboy sometimes. So which point did you say it was that you got your blurb in?
1: Oh gosh. When was that?
0: December maybe? Yeah. Was that strangers book or? Uh, yeah. The other people. Oh yeah. It's got a different title. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I didn't
1: realize it was a different title over there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, over here, it was. what was it called over here? Uh, anyway, it was something completely different. Actually, I've just got it on my bookshelf, so I'm going to move over and have a look. And it's <laughs> called over here, uh, The Taking of Annie Thorne.
1: That was The Hiding Place,
0: wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I They changed all of that titles. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, I think, uh, I think The Hiding Place and The Taking of Annie Thorne was book her second book, After the Chop Man. And then the other people would have been the one that just hit in January. And I don't think it had a separate title, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> She's
0: only had a couple hours, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the taking of Annie Thorne was the one. Yeah. Yeah, you're
1: right.
0: Yeah. I'm, seeing, I'm looking yeah. at it now. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so many titles. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met her, but um, in Thriller Fest over in New York last year, um, I was supposed to go over to that and I was supposed to meet her there um because she'd been nominated and one of my books had been nominated but then i got ill the day before i was due to fly so i couldn't go so i never got to meet her i got you okay yeah I was, I was i was wondering
1: because you know she's got some uh some crazy stories about meeting celebrities i think uh she's got one with robert downey jr and apparently like he showed her his chest or something and she, always, <laughs> she tells like everybody that story uh-huh. uh she's uh she's a hoot though I, I really enjoyed chatting with her a couple months ago and and but yeah i just i remember i had uh i'd gotten an email from penguin random house and i just happened to see my name on there and then i'll kind of
0: scroll through and i saw
1: john mars and i was like i've got to reach out to him <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you read anything because everyone over here just seems to go by initials nowadays have you read anything by cl taylor
1: cl taylor the name sounds familiar but um no i i can't say that i have
0: oh she's a great thriller writer yeah, there's so some cracking books that um, if you like uh, C.J. Tudor, then you'd probably like C.L. Taylor.
1: Okay. What's uh, what's one that you would recommend
0: uh, out of Ms. Ever and her other books? Um, the most recent one she's had out is called Strangers. I think that comes out this April. Okay. There's another very good one called Sleep, and she's very good. She's very good. A good plotter. I think you'd quite like her.
1: Okay. I'll have to uh, i have to add those to my list. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here looking there. She's got she's
0: got quite a quite a list of books. Yeah, yeah. It's also I always find it interesting to see which authors are really big from uh, that are big in my home country, but who do really well over in different countries as well. It's quite interesting to see which ones do and which ones don't.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, because it's a. I think it's a. Her name is one I've seen. Kind of like on NetGalley and Idleweiss that uh you know for advanced reader copies. But yep. I don't see I guess a lot of uh I guess the US book community like posting reviews and stuff on Goodreads. I yep. feel like it's more UK and beyond. Um, um but yeah, it, there, it is always interesting.
0: Riley Sager's quite big over over in the States, isn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but over here not as much.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
0: <laughs> I think he's, a, he's brilliant he's an amazing writer
1: yeah I, I wonder if i guess it's just the marketing of the books maybe yeah and just uh i guess you know maybe maybe it's also the publisher too sometimes uh because i know a lot of times books will get published earlier in one you know part of the world post the other sometimes it's a year apart sometimes it's six months yeah, um, yeah. and I, I think that may be some of it there. Cause I know say like some fantasy books that go does, uh, over there, usually about six months ahead of the U S release. And so there's a, a really weird in between time <laughs> that there's not a whole, a whole, whole lot of marketing going on until like the day of,
0: so. Yeah. So I write for two over here I write for two different publishers. So I write for Thomas and Mercer which is owned by Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so my books from them are only available via Amazon in paperback or e-books. But then I also write over here for Penguin. So for example the one and the passengers they have like more of a kind of speculative fiction 5 minutes in the future they call it over here. Um, and they're available in you know the shops as well as online but it depends on whether those books are picked up by American publishers as to whether they'll be available over there. Hmm. So for example, like the one and the passengers is available over in the States, but they came out at different times about six months later. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting. (laughs) The publishing, the publishing, you know, world is interesting on its own, right? But the fact that some books do better, some other places, depending on, I don't know. I don't, it really, it's not even readership. It's just, I guess maybe it's the name or it's it's the publisher itself. So I'm not really, not really sure. Um, so as far as your writing, um, who would you say influenced you into writing or are there any authors that you were reading and you were like, Oh, I can emulate that. Or I want to be like them.
0: I think when I was a kid, um, Franklin W. Dixon, the Hardy Boys author, was my my god. I thought he was absolutely amazing. It probably started my fascination with America because I, I told you earlier on before we started recording that I went backpacking around the States when I was 21 for a year. And just it was the greatest year of my life. Um, I didn't realize until I was an adult that Franklin W. Dixon didn't actually exist And he was a conglomerate of different authors, hence writing about 180 books in his 90-year career. (laughs) So it's a bit of a disappointment when I discovered he didn't really exist. But I think as an adult, um, over recent years, I'm a big fan of Gillian Flynn. I think she's amazing. Um, Another American author, Peter Swanson. I love what he does. Riley Sager. Uh, Blake Crouch. Um, there's a British author called Tom Rob Smith who uh, his first three books, like Agent Six, was the start of the, uh, sorry, Child 44 was the start of a fantastic trilogy. Um, yeah, I'm quite big fans of, of those. I pretty much read most things. I really, there's a lot of people who inspire me. I mean, um, what's his name? John Niven, a British writer who's got a very dark sense of humour I, I, I love. And, um, and John Boyne, I don't know whether you've read anything by him. He wrote The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, but some yeah. of his more recent books, like The Hearts Invisible Furies, are just epics, just incredible, incredible pieces of storytelling. And um, so I don't really have anyone specifically who inspires me, but there's a lot of writers who make me want to be a better writer.
1: I gotcha. Yeah, I um so you you I guess you kind of have a lot of like thriller. Influences, because um, based on the the names that you are throwing out, like Blake Crouch, you know, with his, you know, his earlier works, kind of like Wayward Pines and stuff, but his more recent with like Dark Matter and Recursion, yeah. those are some of the, like two of the best books I've ever. Um,
0: they're just absolutely
1: stunning um did you, under,
0: did you understand everything in them because i felt they made me feel really stupid <laughs> <laughs> because i don't what was going on in some chapters but there was something so compelling about them
1: yeah dark dark matter was probably a little over my head recursion i felt like i had it pretty well um you know it's, there were there yeah. were a few parts i had to go back and reread but um yeah it's just it was one of those that i just couldn't put it down because i wanted to know what happened next um, you know, and, and I felt a little more emotionally engaged with that one than I did dark matter.
0: So you know, which book I really wish I could have written Dave Eggers, the circle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, need, I need I to read it. that one. Um, I've seen that one kind of flying around. Um, and uh, a two that I would recommend to you that uh, one's out. One is about to come out. If you haven't read them yet. Uh, no bad deed by Heather Chavez. Uh, right. It's coming out from, I think it's William Morrow here uh, which the Harper Collins. I'm not sure which what it is in the UK or if it even has come out in the UK yet. And then uh, the next one, it's kind of different. Again, it has another different title, <laughs> um, right. but in the US it's called Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's called in the UK though. Uh, I'll have to hold on. Let me pop open oh, Goodreads. Uh, it is The Recovery of Rose Gold in the UK. Okay. Uh, but that one, uh, it kind of is similar to your upcoming book, What Lies Between Us. It's, it's another mother-daughter relationship type novel. Um, uh-huh. But it has to do with, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Munchausen Syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is really good. Uh, I the the that book and what lies between us. I sent to my mom when I got done reading, and I was like, All right, "You need to read these." I swear, she read them both in a day. <laughs> and she goes, "Okay, keep sending me books like this." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've I've kind of gotten I mean, as you can tell. I mean, I've read two of your books in the past couple of weeks, but um, I've really gotten into thrillers here recently. So that's I'm kind of on a kick on them. So anytime okay. I'm seeing them, kind of pop up on you know, net galley for early copies, or I see some go on sale. I'm just trying to binge them. Um, I've actually, I think I've got two more of yours kind of on tap uh, coming up here pretty soon. Um, I can't remember right off hand which ones they are, but uh, I think I'm going to do the passengers next. Okay. And then uh, I may move on to, let's see. I've got so many books that I've got to get to, <laughs> uh, when that you Just... disappeared, that'll be the next one. Oh
0: yeah. That was my first ever book. Well, good. That's
1: so I can kind book. of see where you started and where you're at now.
0: <laughs> it's a slow burner. The, the passengers and that could not be more poles apart.
1: Oh, I'm sure. It's,
0: uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's a slow burner that, um, when you disappeared and then the passengers is, it's more like the one as in it's boom, 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 you know, shortish chapters, in your face as we would call it just like kind of you know, getting on with it no messing around gotcha yeah, yeah i uh i
1: and see passengers was actually i think the first book i'd seen your name attached to because you yeah. know it your name wasn't one that was familiar to me because like i said I was mostly science fiction and fantasy yep. up until probably mid last year um, oh, and okay. i'd seen a ton of really you know good reviews for it and so forth there was a lot of kind of I guess hype behind it inside grabbed a copy and I'm like okay now now I know that I really like enjoy his his works I can go ahead and get right into it so <laughs> thank um, you absolutely um so where do you typically find yourself writing do you have a home office to write in do you like to i guess travel around
0: to write or the really first a- four books that I wrote were basically so I live in a place called Northamptonshire and it's about an hour and three quarters train journey from, from the office where I used to work in London. So, so I'd have a good like hour and a quarter in the mornings and a, an hour and a quarter at night, probably about an hour and a half at lunch. And um, so my first four books were basically written on trains. because um, so I'd, I'd commuted for about 10 years. Um, and then since I gave it up a couple of years ago, so my last three books have all basically been written at home. Sometimes I'll go to try and get to the gym for about nine o'clock in the morning, uh, do my thing in the gym and then just sit in their restaurant area and just like sit and undo all the good work I've done in the gym by eating pastries all day with my laptop and writing. So it kind of it kind of depends on what mood I'm in. But a lot of the time I'm now right from home. But it was a bit of an adjustment at first. I had to get used to it because when you're on the train, I'm kind of I felt really, really focused. You could never get any Internet on that train. Um and a lot of the time, the trains were delayed, so you'd sometimes get more time to ride. And now when I'm at home and I have all day, um, I'm so easily distracted. David is ridiculous. Like, I'll nip out and, and cut the grass or unload the dishwasher or look at something on the internet and end up in some black hole surfing God knows what, rather than work. So um, I need to find that. Uh, sometimes I need to find a happy balance between everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got you got to find a time to be like, all right, I can do household chores at this time, I can write at this time, and then I can eat pastries at this time.
0: <laughs> Combine all three, that would be amazing.
1: Right, right. If you just had more hands and two sets of eyes, I think you could probably do it. Right.
0: Yes. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, you know it's funny. I, I, it's always interesting hearing how how different authors write, where they write, what they do while they write, because. uh not many have the whole like pastry coffee writing thing down like i was talking to uh, christian cameron and he has a thing where he goes to this same shop every single day in the morning and is there for 5 hours and we'll, and and he wow. was kind of he was a uh, which he's ta- he's taken you know lent off for it but he's big about posting an instagram picture every single day of the the different pastry he got the coffee that he got and then you know his <laughs> progress in his new book and uh and, yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, I, I hear some people have to, you know, they'll ride on, on the bus ride into work or they'll on the train into work or they'll just go somewhere where it's super quiet. I mean, I, used to you were like, oh, well, a lot of people go to the park and write because it's nice. And you hear the birds and the sounds of the park and stuff. But I don't hear that anymore. It's usually I'm at home in the dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Oh. Uh. Um, so as far as your writing process goes, do you, uh, do you
0: plot everything out or do you write by the seat of your pants or is it a myth? Yeah. Most of the time I'm, I have a brief idea of what I want to do. So I'll know where my story starts. I'll know the middle and I'll kind of know the ending. Um, sometimes I'll write a couple of pages of just notes. Other times I'll, I'll try and do what I'm going to write in each chapter But most of the time, I think I'm just impatient and I just want to get started. And that can be a great thing sometimes, Um, but on other occasions, maybe not so good because maybe I should have plotted it out more because then I'll end up having to go back and doing more rewrites than I ordinarily would. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just depends on the story. Like, for example, um, my most recent one, What Lies Between Us. That's probably one of the easiest ones I've written because I knew exactly where that was going, apart from the very final chapter. And that was like a a last minute change. But um, the one I'm working on at the moment, which is not out until later on this year, that's probably been my hardest. It's been quite complicated. And perhaps I should have plotted that one out more. It would have made myself, made my life a little bit easier. But yeah, it depends on the story a lot of the time. I
1: got you. Yeah. Have you noticed that your process has changed a lot since you wrote your
0: first novel? hmm i don't have as much time these days my first one my first book was self-published i wrote to about 80 different uh, agents and publishers you know sending some of it full manuscripts some of it a few a few chapters i got 80 rejections so i self-published um did a lot of promotion of it uh, it got picked up by a few online book clubs which was great word of mouth and it ended up selling about 25,000 downloads, which blew me away, and then it got picked up by a mainstream publisher, Thomas and Mercer, which is owned by Amazon, and it's like since done about 350,000 downloads. Um, so now I'm writing, as I say, for two different publishers. Um, yeah, I have deadlines to hit now, so the, probably my writing process I probably got it a bit more fine tuned, I don't have time to. Don't have time to waste and procrastinate too much. I know what I've got to do. I know what time period I've got to get this story written in, so I just get on with it. Well, apart from getting distracted by the internet sometimes. Right, right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's not uh, hard to get distracted by the internet for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think everybody has that problem, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I know, uh, especially especially authors, because you know I know a lot of self published authors, and even even those that have been published, you know you. A lot of a lot of them are fairly introverted, so it's really hard to kind of be out there, but you've gotta push your books, even if it gets annoying at some point because you need people to to buy them so you can write more. Um, something
0: like ninety seven percent of books will or self-published books will never sell more than 50 copies in their lifetime as some statistic that I read and so yeah you've got to you've got to promote it and my job as a journalist I was used to promoting celebrities with my interviews because that's why they wanted to talk to me so they could promote whatever product they had going on um so to then have to promote yourself was a strange concept that I never felt particularly comfortable with for quite some time
1: yeah I can imagine (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah I, I'm, used to asking, I'm used to asking doing what you do i'm used to asking people questions about their process and their writing and their product and then to all of a sudden have people asking me that i'm like oh well uh, uh, um and yeah i find i never listen as much as i'm sure your interviewing technique is amazing i'll probably never listen back to this because i can't bear to hear myself talking <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't I can't say that I listen to my own episodes either, so I think uh, the only time I really do is just to make sure I don't sound that stupid when I'm doing the recording, uh, and then to also make sure that I don't have too many uhs and ums in between. Uh-huh. I feel like yeah. it's gotten better since the beginning. I mean, I, the first few episodes, I think, are pretty pretty bad. I didn't really have a process down. I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but I feel like I've kind of gotten it now to where I can pretty much bring everything in within 45 minutes to an hour 15, unless we just go off on some long tangent about said
0: coronavirus or something. From my perspective, that makes for a more interesting interview when it's conversational. Yeah. Because last, last year I did an entire day of press from about six in the morning till six at night with various journalists and Skypes and podcasts and stuff like that. And some interviews were great. The best ones are conversational ones. But others where you're just sitting with like a list of – someone's reading out a list of questions in front of you. But I don't think they're going to be that interesting for people who are, who are subscribing to podcasts. I think it's that people just prefer something a bit more chatty.
1: Yeah, you know, it's not as robotic.
0: Mm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, because uh, I mean, you you, know, you watch those interviews they do for movie stars and so forth. Uh, uh, I guess before movies come out or before shows come yep. out, and it's just two people sitting in a room and they're just asking one off questions. It's just like this is really awkward. <laughs>
0: But you know what? That's what I used to have to do when I was a journalist. A lot of the time when you had the American celebs coming over to promote their films, you were so restricted to what you could and couldn't ask. It was never any personal questions. And a lot of the time it was, oh, tell me about the character you played. What research did you do? Blah, blah, blah. And the questions that have been asked a thousand times before just that day alone. And you're just another one on the conveyor belt. And unfortunately, that's what they that's the only way you get any access to people.
1: Yeah, and the, and the answer you get may depend on how much they've had to drink since the first time they yep. had to answer that question.
0: <laughs> or or how long it's been yeah. since they last ate. <laughs> yeah, it was always good to get them first thing in the morning when they were still fresh or to, or the last interview of the day because they knew that that was it. They didn't have any more to do.
1: Yeah, I'd be really interested to see like what a celebrity looks like at the beginning of the day to the end of a day of an entire day of interviews. like yeah, Just, the, just the, the like the weight both. of annoyance that's just thrust upon them.
0: <laughs> you can't tell because they've, they've got so many hair and makeup people around them to touch them up. So you would never quite be able to tell how fatigued they look. I can imagine. <laughs> so let's, uh,
1: you know, since you're a writer and you have several books out, let's go ahead and start talking about books, uh, sure. especially your books. Um, so I actually just finished this one uh, earlier this past week. Uh, But the one which is being turned into an eight part Netflix series uh, set to debut later this year. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and what what the book is about and then what we can kind of expect with the series? And I guess if you have more of an exact timing around when
0: the series is supposed to release. Yeah, well, the book, basically, that was my that was the third book that I wrote. And that also was um, was self-published. And in the same week that someone approached me from Thomas and Mercer about, um, about what when you disappeared, someone from Penguin approached me about the one. We've been on sale for about one week. Um, and asked me if I'd I'd be interested in that one becoming uh, you know turning that one into like mainstream publishing as well and in that later on that week I'll tell you I I kid you not it was the most bizarre week a production company got in touch and said hey would you be interested in us optioning this to maybe turn it into something so it was a a bizarre seven days Um, but yeah the the one it just um, it just it was kind of like a bit of a word of mouth hit to start off with. And then it got picked by um a national radio station over here as their one of their books, well, their book of the month, which just sent it going just extreme, extreme-wise, sale-wise, which was incredible. But kind of the general gist of it is um it's set kind of a decade after scientists have discovered that everyone has a gene that they share with just one other person, and millions of people have taken the test because they're desperate to find true love. And my story follows five people who've taken the test, who've got a match, um, but they discover their match isn't necessarily what they had planned for the rest of their lives. So some of their matches have secrets, um, some of them are, are slightly shocking and more deadlier than others. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite a good fun book to write. It's probably, the, probably actually the second quickest book that I've ever written. I don't know why. Just, it, just that was one that just came to me. It's like five different stories, and I just kind of knew who I was going to do straight away.
1: I got you. Yeah. It, uh, I, I kind of find that surprising because it, it is, it is a lot doing five different storylines and they're all completely different from one another.
0: I think most of my books tend to do that. I have quite a few different storylines going like um, my second book, um, Welcome to Wherever You Are, it's set in a backpacking hostel in Los Angeles and that's about six or seven kind of ongoing um, stories that different characters that follows uh, Passengers has several different, quite a few different characters that it follows. The one I'm working on at the moment, which is out over here at the end of the year, um, again that has like five different stories that it follows. So I'm kind of used to writing almost like several books in one book. If that makes sense,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like you know writing a bunch, like a bunch of short stories and one big yeah. story, yeah. I gotcha. So as far as uh, the the series, um, I know they say that it's supposed to debut later this year. Do you have, I guess, a more of a close approximate timeline when it's supposed to be out?
0: All I know is that uh, filming's finished because I managed to go on set to watch one of the days being filmed, which was surreal and amazing. I really enjoyed that. Um, But it's not due to uh, premiere, I think, until the autumn, which is kind of a vague time. Uh, just saying so the autumn is it's an entire section of a year right. uh yeah later on this year yeah i don't have an exact date for it yet but it, it will broadcast worldwide at the same time
1: i gotcha yes yeah, i know uh we had talked off air at the beginning that i was uh i was saying i was like you know it'd be kind of a really good time since it's done filming that uh you could just release it right now when everybody's <laughs> gonna be subscribing to netflix because <laughs> there's no live yes. sports anymore uh you just Perfect. have a big you know bird box part two (laughs) type type selection on it
0: so um what's that yeah be absolutely perfect but unfortunately gonna have to wait
1: (laughs) i mean i mean that's you know it stinks for us of course because i i'm definitely excited about watching it i was actually telling my wife about it the other day i was like you know i think you'd really be interested in this because she, she's gotten to this point where she sees all the authors that I chat with and then she goes yep. to look at their books and she goes, I don't think I'd be interested in any of this. And then I told her about the one and she goes, I think I might want to read that.
0: Wife, <laughs> I'm a big fan of hers. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that she knows. <laughs> I'll turn the tables here. So how many years have you been married, David? So uh, we'll have been married
1: uh, five years in June.
0: Okay, so obviously your wife is the one for you. But if this test existed, if you could find out if biologically she was the one for you, would you take that test? No. Why? Because I read the book and I don't want to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, I just I, – because I feel, I feel like it would be a yes – but if it was a no, I wouldn't want to know.
0: <laughs> I see. I wouldn't take it either. Not yeah. Quite, quite a bit. How old are you?
1: Uh, uh 29.
0: Okay, I am 49, and I'm just—I think I'm quite happy with my lot. I'm quite happy with my world. And if there was someone who, biologically or chemistry, my body's decided was more suited to me out there, I don't care because I'm quite happy with where I'm at.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've uh, we've been together, so we'll have been together 11 years in June. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like if, uh, if there was a test in the first six years, it said maybe, but the, <laughs> fact, that, the fact that, uh, I mean, I, I can kind of say this, that I stuck around cause she did, uh, she did pageants throughout college. So she was doing kind of like the Miss Alabama to get into the, um, uh, Miss America uh, type organization, so I had to wow. wait for her to finish up that before we could even get engaged. So I think the fact that I stuck around would 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 show that the, the test, w- you know, wouldn't have really mattered too much. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we're I feel like we're happy enough where we good But
0: I don't know, yeah. she might have a different answer. <laughs> I think. Well, I think a lot of people. That's the that's often a problem these days. I think a lot of people are particularly in the Tinder generation. Uh, they think the grass is greener on the other side, yeah. and I'm not saying that you know you should settle just for the sake of oh you found someone, and but then you know I don't think anyone should settle, but I think sometimes you've got to you, you need to realize that actually maybe this is the perfect thing for you to be in.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're right. It is it, this this type of generation with you know with dating apps and this, especially Tinder. My gosh, um, you know it's just, everybody is like just moving on to the next thing, whereas. You know, for those of us that find the one <laughs> pun intended, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot easier just to just be like, you know, I've found exactly what I want, what I need, et cetera. And I'm happy and I can see myself continuing to be happy. Uh whereas some people like the first time you have an argument, they're like, you know what, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> and yeah,
0: I think, yeah, I feel yeah. like that's why exactly. the divorce
1: rates so dad go high now. So it's yeah, it's nuts. But all right, happier, happier pastures. Um, <laughs> uh, so, one novel that I haven't read yet—the we had talked about a little earlier—that um, I'd heard so many rave things
0: about *The Passengers*. Uh, uh-huh. Can you tell us a little bit about what that novel is about? Yeah, it's basically about nine people who climb into their driverless cars one morning, only for them to be told through their radios that their vehicles have been hacked. And then they're going to collide head on with one another later on in that morning. So it's another happy little story. Um, However, one of these people is going to be spared, but it's up to social media and a jury to decide who should live and who should die. And we kind of drip fed each passenger's story to help us make up our minds. And kind of the reader gradually finds. So the idea is, you know, you think, OK, I'm going to be on this person's side. But then you'll find out something about that person that makes you question whether you really are on their side and maybe you'll switch allegiances to somebody else. It's kind of been compared to black mirror meets the hunger games being cars. And I quite like that. I quite like that
1: description. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> that's that <is> an impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is, that's, that's quite a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. I, like I said, that's, that's probably be one of the next two that I read from you unless, uh, somehow your next novel ends up in my lap prior, uh, since I've already read the next book we're going to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, that just seems, seems so crazy. And a lot of people that I kind of follow for their reviews to kind of see what I want to read next. Uh, everybody's said it's wonderful. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to read one before you guys get to read it. And and I can tell
0: you that you need to read it. Um, yeah, yeah, the the response to passengers has been great. I mean, one thing that, um, Over here, so you know when you look at uh, reviews, I don't, I don't really read reviews as much anymore as I used to because I'll always focus on the negative one rather than the positive one. But reviewers in America, American readers are a lot harsher than reviewers in the UK, which is quite interesting. So books that might do brilliantly over here don't do so well over in the states. I'm not talking myself, but like you know, for for anybody really. Um, But yeah, passengers has got some great reviews over there and on on Goodreads as well. Goodreads is not something that I spend too much time on. I think Goodreads is more of a place for readers to communicate with one another than for authors to go on. I think it's um it's not really it almost feels like yeah, it's not really any of our business to be on there. I think it's um I think it's it's for readers to communicate with one another rather than have some like snickety little writer on there going, Oh my god, I can't believe they've written that about my book. Right. Like everyone is entitled to an opinion. Yeah, um, it's probably so helpful yeah, to stay on the bat. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably better for your health that you stay off Goodreads. Uh, yeah, um, I just, just yeah, like I don't really see the necessity t- for me to to go on and read reviews of my books anymore. I used to, do, God, yeah, you know, when I particularly when a book first comes out, I still will just to see what like the general general flavour of it is. But um, yeah, it's. There are plenty of books, but this way, you know, you have to deal with negative reviews. It's just part of the course, but there are plenty of books that I've read or I've given up on because I've not enjoyed them. So why should it be any different for anybody reading one of mine?
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, another thing that's bad about it and you just, and it's the same thing on Amazon. I don't know so much as Barnes and Noble. I don't know that many people that review on Barnes and Noble, but, um, you know, you always get those people that will just go ahead and give it a one star just for the heck of it, because they feel like it. Like, you know, you you don't know the actual genuine story behind ratings on books. Now there are some where they've had hundreds and thousands and you're like, okay, that might not be for me based on all this, but you don't know, especially early on, you know, what you're really going to be getting into. But yeah. And, and, you know, I've spoken to several authors that some read them, some don't, but really, you know, it's, as an author, I mean, isn't it just really about your enjoyment writing the novel? And you just were like, okay, well, I enjoyed writing this. I enjoyed the story that I'm putting out there. My publisher enjoys the story I'm putting out there. I just hope
0: readers enjoy it. And if they don't, i yep. fine. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, going back to Goodreads, I did actually tackle somebody on Goodreads recently who... <laughs> Gave my book a one-star review, and I know as a fact they hadn't read it because the only three people who had read it were me, my partner, and my editor. <laughs> but obviously it's listed on there, and so I just dropped them an email, just really polite email saying, "Yeah, I'm curious as to to why you gave it one out of five when it's when it hasn't even been released to anybody yet." And they said, "Oh, sorry, I made a mistake. I pressed the button by mistake." I'm like, okay, and they changed it. Um, but you know, if they've if they'd given it, if they've read it and given it one star, I do not have a problem with that whatsoever. As I say, you're totally entitled to to hate anything that I write. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's fair that you can give books marks and reviews when they've not even been released or read. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I feel like Amazon has tried to tackle that with the whole yeah. verified purchase. Yeah. Um. But you know especially myself and a lot of other reviewers that we, we put a little tagline in there that we received a copy and, and et cetera, et cetera. But, you yeah. know, at the same time, I don't know many reviewers that will because they feel like it go in and put a two or a one or sometimes even a three star review on Amazon just because they don't feel like it's, I don't know, not fair to the author, but it's just not indicative of their process. Like if, yeah. I, if I'm not jiving with a book within say 50 to 75 pages I mark it as red. Don't put a star. Move on to the next thing. I don't want to maliciously <laughs> tell people, yeah. well, don't read this book because it sucked. I just go, didn't work for me. It might work for you. Here's why it didn't work for me. Move on. And then yeah. I don't touch that book ever again, not even to, to leave a review. Because I, I, I only want to tell people about the books that I enjoy because I want them to get enjoyment out of
0: them as well. Um so- there are books that you will you will not finish because I there – are, there are plenty of books that I've started that I've just not really enjoyed and I'm not going to waste my time reading a book that I don't enjoy. Yep. But my mum, she will read – even if she is hating a book, she will read right to the end and I just think, why? I know. It's like you can all, you can all read so many books in your lifetime. Why read something you don't enjoy? Oh god, yeah. She was telling me about another one book recently, and um, and you know what? She it was like a, almost like a whodunit, and she was sure she knew what the answer was. And so she, after about a third of the way, she read to the end of the book to read the final chapter to prove herself right, and then she went back and continued to read it. So not only did she know what was going to happen, but she was hating the damn thing as well.
1: <laughs> Makes sense.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. I uh, you
1: know it's it's like bad movies. Uh, you know, I don't go out and see movies that often because A, it's expensive and B, I just don't have time to do it. I don't feel like going out to the movie theater. So if I'll record one on TV and I'll start watching it, if I don't enjoy it, I'll fast forward to like the action scenes and then I'll get to the end and go, okay, I can say that I've officially seen that movie, even though I didn't technically watch it all the way through, but I know what happens and I know I didn't like it. Do you have done
0: this, say, 15 years ago when videos were still out and you had to go out and rent a video and come back and watch it? Would you have been willing to give it up as easily oh or would you gosh. just give it up a bit more quickly because of Netflix and Amazon Prime?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you wouldn't give it up because you had to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, with Netflix and stuff, I mean, good gosh. So have you watched The Circle on Netflix? Yeah. And, you know, I really wish I hadn't. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So my wife is obsessed
1: pan- with it right
0: now. And then I start panicking thinking, Oh God, is, is the one going to be like this? And that everybody loves the book. And then when it comes to the TV adaptation, everyone's going to hate it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: see. We, uh, we watched the, uh, the love is blind, which I kind of enjoy watching train wrecks. And that show is a train wreck.
0: Uh, called,
1: it's, it's a, it's, oh, that's the, yeah, it's the one, one where they're like in, their, they're in the pods and they fall in love yes. with each other. Yeah,
0: yes. the, yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, I I love watching that one because like the relationships are just train wrecks waiting to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but the circle, like I, gosh, like the personalities on there, like I d- I don't jive with people like that, and so I don't enjoy watching people like that. Yeah. Um, but my wife can't get enough of it, and I go, you can watch it on your own time. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna read.
0: <laughs> okay. okay.
1: Oh man. Um, okay. So thirdly and finally, as far as your books go, um, granted, I want to talk about what you're working on now, but, uh, what lies between us, which, which I read a couple of months ago, uh, is set to release on May 15th. And you actually just released an announcement a couple weeks ago that Renee Zellweger's production company acquired TV rights for it. So well. A, I know you're super excited about it. Um, and B, can you tell us a little bit about what to expect from it?
0: Um, it's just it's, when I just when I got the email from my so I don't have an actual book agent but I have an agent who deals with TV and film rights based over in LA um, and so when he got in touch to say hey there's somebody uh, someone's interested in taking on you know optioning of what lies between us is running Zellweger's production company I'll let you know. Uh, My first reaction was, well, I'm not going to say because it involves lots of swear words, but um, it was basically, oh, oh, really? (laughs) Put a few expletives in there and lots of no ways. Um, So that was really exciting. So, um, yeah. So. I don't know what's going to happen with it. All I know is that um, they have optioned it. So if her company wants to try and turn it into something, then they've got like a couple of years to try and do that. So that would be fantastic. But the plot is quite simple. It's basically two women who share a house um, in England. One lives on the ground floor, one lives on the second floor. And every couple of the evenings, they'll meet on the middle floor for dinner. But you kind of wonder, why do they meet for dinner when they absolutely hate each other? Because it's quite obvious that they have a very factious relationship. And throughout the book, over the period of about 25 years, you kind of find out what their relationship is and what it is that lies between them.
1: And what a phenomenal book
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm um, I think from my perspective, I'm never like really totally happy when I finished a book. I, don't, I always think that it can be improved. And particularly when the last time I'll ever, I'll ever either read the book is, was basically when I listen to the audio book of it, when that comes out. Mm-hmm. And even then i get really critical thinking, well, I shouldn't have put that sentence there or oh, I should have kept a bit more suspense there. But um this is the, probably the first one that I'm actually really happy with. I, I actually was, re- I was reading through it recently and thought, actually, you know what? This isn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's kind of depressing, John. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a sad world view that you, <laughs> you don't enjoy the book or you don't like the books that you finished.
0: Well, I think it's just because I just get really critical and I think uh. that, oh, man, I should have written that in a better way. Um, but, yeah, I'm just too critical of what I do. I really am. I think I think most writers are like that, you know. I think most authors are it's only recently even i have start calling myself an author, because I always think that sounds really pretentious. Yeah. I think I'm just someone who can stick a few words together and it and people seem to quite like them. But um I yeah, I'm just I'm just too critical of my own stuff and I need to chill out a bit. <laughs> would you call would you rather call yourself a writer then? <laughs> I think I do, yeah, a writer yeah or a liar because basically i just lie for a living don't i <laughs> i just hear and make stuff up right. Fantasies.
1: right because you're right fiction you yeah, know you're just yeah. a complete liar
0: yeah <laughs> logical liar who lives <laughs> my own world for like eight hours a day
1: oh my gosh <laughs> um all right so uh so obviously that one comes out uh here in two months um almost it's, to the day uh, Yeah. so what are you working on now you said you have another
0: book set to release later on this year yeah, it comes out over in the UK in probably about July, August time. I'm not sure when it comes out in the states. Um, this one is really hard to pitch. This one, I need to find a really snappy elevator pitch. But it's basically it's set in the same world as the Passengers and the One. So it's kind of slightly futuristic. There are references to both books, or sorry, to both storylines in this one. And it's um, uh, five people are uh, tasked with keeping. All our country's secrets, also the UK secrets, in their heads. They there is a way of doing it in which they can store everything inside, because there's such a, a threat from hackers that they're going to hold the country to ransom, like they have done many other countries around the world. Um, and they have their job is to just disappear for five years, just disappear while the correct software is built and created to protect our secrets in the traditional way. Um, and it follows these five characters. Only one of them is actually out there to try and kill the others interesting i don't know whether i've made that sound like utter garbage <laughs> or, or it's interesting i don't know well
1: uh, my podcast is here for you just to test it out and see what you think so if you if you end up wanting to re-listen to this the the uh let's see where are we at 50 minute mark <laughs> you can just fast forward to that point
0: <laughs> deal so what is, uh, do you have, I mean, I'm assuming you have a title for it now. What's the title going to be? Uh, it's changed many times, but at the moment it's um, it's called The Minders.
1: Okay.
0: It's I like that. It's their job to mind everything that we know. Okay.
1: There you go.
0: And so uh, they know all about conspiracy theories. They know fact from fiction. Uh, they know everything that our country's been trying to hide, everything the government keeps, but they can't say a word to anybody. They just have to keep this stored and keep themselves safe.
1: Okay. Um... Hmm. I mean, I'm assuming now that you've got another book that you're currently working
0: on. Um, after that one, I'm taking a break for a while. I am taking – like I, my next book doesn't need to be delivered until the end of 2021. Wow. So I was going to chill out for a while because uh, it, sometimes it does feel like a bit like a treadmill and you've got one book out, and then as soon as you finish that, you're on to the next one. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time out. I know what my next book's going to be, but just, I'm not going to be in any great hurry to finish it. I got you.
1: I mean
0: <laughs> – I wouldn't be if you got that long. <laughs> you, you,
1: you can just you can just kind of chill out and go go eat your pastries and drink your coffee and just be like, all right, well, I've got two books coming out and I've got time and I'm just gonna hang yeah. out and enjoy family and the uh, coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll preferably just enjoy the family as opposed. to the <laughs> I had a choice; it'd just be the one.
1: Yeah. Exactly um so uh i know we had talked a little bit about book recommendations earlier but is there anything
0: i guess more recently that you've read that you'd recommend to the audience um i think the ones i've been reading at the moment and i I do a mixture i always have one book that i'm reading and one that i'm listening to um so most recently one that i've been listening to is called my dark vanessa by kate elizabeth russell which is quite a heavy heavy listen but it's quite fascinating about it um there's a book, three hours by Rosamond lipton that i'm enjoying um my i think my favorite book of last year was uh daisy jones and the six and the uh, the, the american author yeah the name escapes me at the moment It's Taylor something or other but that yeah i think that's my favorite book of last year i don't know whether you've that's been on your radar because it's not sci-fi it's not a thriller it's just like quite a interestingly told book about uh, a band in the 1970s a fictional band and their the relationship with their members
1: yeah yeah i mean i of course when that book was i guess when it first came out or when it was coming out i'd seen stuff all over the place i mean of course you know when it hits reese witherspoon's books you know every, everybody hears about it i guess yeah, it's just a dream today it. Um, yeah, right. Um and yes, I I have seen tons of great stuff about it, but no, it, it hasn't necessarily been on my radar, but it doesn't mean I never I won't ever pick it up. So yeah. Um and I mean I, I think it hit, you know, New York Times bestseller list like super quick. So yeah. um and, yeah, I'm sitting there and it's named one of the best books of the year by NPR. So obviously it's pretty good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, i just finished reading, um, I don't know whether you've read anything by Ian McEwan before, but a book called Machines Like Us, sorry, Machines Like Me, which is kind of set in like a, a, a rewritten 1980s and where we, you know, you can buy a basically a, a, a robot. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting read. To be honest, I felt quite stupid during a lot of it because I found it a really tough read, but I'm really glad I stuck with it because it's a good book. And, uh, and The God Game, I don't know if you read that by Danny Toby. Yeah. What did you think of that? Did you, I enjoyed you it. it.
1: It was, a, it was yeah. a super fast-paced.
0: <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it ever let off the gas for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I, I had seen the Machines Like Me kind of – through social media and I've seen it at the bookstore and stuff. And it's just one of those that unfortunately the cover just didn't grab me. So I haven't checked it out. But, um, you know, if you, if you feel like it's worth a listen or or a look, I'll definitely check
0: it out. I think, I think you're probably an awful lot more intelligent than I am. So you probably (laughs) get a lot quicker than I would. (laughs) It just took me a while. I said a good half, a good half of the book said to stick with it, but there was something about it. Whereas I ordinarily probably would have given up. I thought, no, I'm going to go for this. I'm going (laughs) to stick with it. And I'm really glad I did.
1: I gotcha. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's an intelligent thing or it's just you know I've read so much epic fantasy where you have to keep so many things in your mind so you remember stuff later on. Uh, yeah, it, maybe that's it. But no, like that's, I said earlier, yeah. like dark matter was way over
0: my head, and somehow I was able to understand recursion <laughs> by yeah. Blake Crouch. I think reading like the fantasy books and sci-fi books, I think that takes a certain a certain amount of skill. A lot of the time, I think it's quite a, quite a, high level of intelligence especially way when big, you listen way to an audiobook.
1: and you're and you're probably one of the only
0: authors I hear that actually listens to audiobooks I don't know that many that do I, I love that I just because it's a time thing really I don't have a huge amount of time in my life so if I'm like going around like doing a supermarket shop or gardening or going to the gym or something like that or just in the car then I'll, yeah it's a great way for me of doing it of, like, of, of I don't see any difference between listening to a book particularly and reading it. I know a lot of people disagree, but, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's a timing thing for me too. Um, you know, I, and here lately I haven't even been to listen to that many. So I've been, I've actually been, it's weird. I've been reading more than I've been listening, even though I have more time to listen than read. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah.
0: In about three months um, time. You're going to have no time.
1: I know. Tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sitting here like looking at, Without like my amount of books I was going to read this year, I was like, you know, most of this stuff's just gonna be children's stories because I'm going to be reading every <laughs> single day. But it's going to be like
0: five to ten pages. Have you, have you read just out of interest The Warehouse by Rob Hart? Yes. What do you think of that? I loved that. I one. loved
1: it. Yeah. I, um, I got an early copy of that when I joined his like street team or whatever that he had uh, before the book came out. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, a very interesting take on the Amazons of the world. <laughs> Obviously, I can't comment as I write for an (laughs) Amazon-owned (laughs) company. Not necessarily (laughs) a bad way. Story. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily a bad way. It was just interesting because it was an Amazon-like corporation. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think I read that one maybe middle last year. Uh huh. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I just finished uh, Mallory by Josh Mallerman, which comes out in July. That's the Bird Box follow-up. Okay. Um. And uh, Stephen Graham Jones just sent me a super early copy of his new tour.com novella, Night of the Mannequins, which if you enjoy slashers, that's a, it's a really good one. Well, uh, it's like oh, a it's young fine. adult slasher. Okay. So, uh, But it's good. Uh, that, com- that comes out July 21st. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually, for some reason, I'm on a horror kick now. So now I'm reading uh, Clown in the Cornfield by Adam Cesar. And it's like another YA kind of horror slasher that's coming out from, I think, Harper Teen. Later on this year, so yeah, yeah. it's,
0: it's just one of those, around, go ahead. Your, your way around these genres.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to become well rounded. <laughs> That's right. That's the only the only thing I don't do is romance. That's I leave that for my wife. So uh,
0: <laughs> she, I'd like to see you start on female erotica. Oh
1: gosh, uh-uh. no. I, <laughs> if if anything, I'll let my wife start writing reviews, but I, I don't think she's going to do it. She's up uh, uh, she's big on the Kindle Unlimited. There's like super cheesy uh, romance. Uh, novels that you know they're like 250 300 pages that she just goes through and she goes oh my gosh i love that one next one (laughs) i'm thinking 50
0: shades of dave oh
1: gosh uh -uh. no hard pass (laughs) (laughs) oh man well uh well john i uh i really appreciate you coming on i know uh i know weekends are are time for relaxing but i appreciate you uh taking the time out of your afternoon to come chat with me about your books and especially especially since you've become more, one of my more recent favorites it's been uh it's been enjoyable getting to know you on social media now with the podcast and um i can't say enough great things about your novels so far like i said i just finished the one and loved it and what lies between us is magnificent so i hope everybody checks that out on may 15th um and especially checks out the one series that comes on netflix later this year so hopefully that one uh, comes sooner than later uh for all of us that are listening, but. Guys, uh, if you want to find John Mars on social media, you can find him on Twitter at John Mars one. And that's Mars spelled M-A-R-R-S. You can find him on Instagram at John Mars You can find him on Facebook at John Mars author and you can find his website, John Mars uh, And like I said, what lies between Us comes out on May 15th. And I hope you guys definitely pick that one up because it's phenomenal. But John, thank you again for coming on. And uh, let's do this again.
0: Thank you, David. And thank you for your support and your interest. It's much appreciated.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hopefully, your uh, house doesn't get too loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
1: Hope you guys enjoyed my chat with author John Mars. Uh, man, I know I did. He's uh, he's such a phenomenal thriller writer. So, if you guys are ever in the mood for a palate cleanser from fantasy, or science fiction, or horror, definitely check out his novels, uh, especially What Lies Between Us, that comes up in May. And uh, like I said, The One, which I just finished earlier this week, is a fantastic novel. It's kind of like a romantic story, you know, like I said, even though it's five stories in one, but it's got a lot of psychological twists in it that I think uh, would definitely blow you guys' minds. Uh, And then, again, that series will be set at the end of this year on Netflix, so definitely check it out. It's an eight-part series. Uh, But, guys, uh, coming up tomorrow, actually, I'll be chatting with – Audiobook narrator Peter Kinney. Uh, He's best known for doing the narration for The Witcher audiobooks uh, that, you know, I'm sure most of you have seen the Netflix series or played the video games. Um, He also just recently released the audiobook narration for Justin Call's uh, Master of Sorrows. And I'm assuming he'll be doing uh, the next few books in that series. So definitely check that chat out. I'll also be talking to Sigma Force series author James Rollins on the 17th. And then uh, ending up in March, I'll be chatting with Titan Shade author Dan Stout about his upcoming sequel, Titans Day. And then I'll be talking about uh, the Empires of Dust series with fantasy author Anna Smith-Spark. It's one of my favorite trilogies written in, gosh, the past decade, maybe longer. Uh, but, guys, as always, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you guys stay safe out there with all of the craziness that's flowing around. Uh, stay well, stay healthy, and you know, feel free to reach out if y'all need anything. Thanks guys.